Welcome into another episode of Will's Wide World Sports. Today we're we're talking all NBA. Uh, my girlfriend came on. Uh, we broke down, you know, some of the the playoff matchups uh, right after we had finished watching them, and then I broke down who I thought was under the most pressure this postseason. I I think you know the postseason as a whole uh, is pretty wide open, but there's certain players that I think have a lot of writing on this postseason. So, you know, I I gave my top ten players. So stick around for that. But first. Uh, we just got done watching Warriors and Kings, so we kind of had a live reaction to that and a couple other postseasons, so stick around for that after this. All right, we're, we're taping this part of the podcast. Uh, it's about, it's what, 3.30 Pacific time? Literally 10 minutes ago, we just watched the Warriors and Kings uh, play their, oh, <laughs> yeah, the, an eventful game four, uh, the Warriors ended up winning. I guess first we didn't have an ejection. Yeah, they won by one. Uh, first, there wasn't an ejection, so that's good. I feel like every game we've watched, there's been an ejection, but yeah, I, I think let's start with, we, we have to start with the ending. I'm sure you have thoughts as a Warriors fan. I, I said to you, I'm surprised you're still alive after what happened. But take take me through the thought process of like those last two minutes. Um, very very worried because they took that time out right and was able to advance the ball. What's his face has the ball. De'Aaron Fox is that how you say his name? Yep. And so obviously he's been clutch. He's been clutched this whole entire series. So I was like, oh my gosh, like I I was so nervous. Like I was. Even before that, they threw the ball from the corner when they were inbounding the ball to him, and he hit that three, took the timeout, yada, 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 came back. And I don't know if there was anything specifically that Steve Kerr told them to do, but it was kind of a trade-off between Draymond and Curry when guarding him. Draymond was guarding him. He couldn't really get through to because he, uh, he was trying to shoot that three. They wanted to win the game. He was trying to hit that three. So he wasn't trying to get – wasn't trying to drive. But um, his Well, they were, they were only down one. Like yeah but he was pass. but he but that's what he was trying to do he was trying to hit three like yeah that was that's what he was doing and there was 10.5 seconds left so i mean after he couldn't get past them it was like all right let me try to pop up a shot can't get it off yeah. passes it to his teammate um and then he i was just like i think he hit some threes if i remember correctly in the game yeah. i don't know and so i was i was like oh my gosh like but thank God he missed it. And then I was trying to see like who was grabbing the rebound, but also looking at the clock. And I was like, okay, like zero's coming up soon. It doesn't really matter. They didn't get the ball. And I was like, oh, thank God. Um, oh. And it wasn't like a, like, it was like a relieving, like, yeah, but it wasn't like a celebratory win. Like the last Warriors win was, I was just thankful <laughs> that they won. And I can, I can see it like on like the player's face, especially Steph after him, like, Calling the timeout when there were no timeouts, so that resulted in a technical. So I'm I'm still kind of processing like what the actual like what just happened. This is like supposed to be a championship team, and this mm-hmm. is what we're doing. But all right. Yeah, they, yeah. they're supposed to be the experienced ones, and right? Yet they're the ones making all the mistakes. Mm-hmm. Because, and I can imagine, I can imagine Steph. He said how like excited he was that they weren't just relieved or whatever he was feeling. Because yeah, he was going to be. Like this was gonna be known as the bad, mm-hmm, like the game that Steph mm-hmm. blew the game, and probably blew the series. Because honestly, right. let's say if they won, they 
If Kings won, yeah. they'd probably win the series. Right. And then maybe blew the dynasty. Like this might have been it. Yeah. Not to no. overreact think, to one game. I mean, but I think they cop I mean, I think because they're playing the Sacramento Kings, if they played if they did this against any other experienced team like the Celtics or anything like that, it wouldn't have like they they would have lost it. But I think because Sacramento Kings are younger, like they were able to get away with it. Because the Kings were making some mistakes too. Like they were making like it's like, okay, like well you didn't have to take that shot. Look at your shot clock. Get a better shot off. You still have time. Um but I think and Curry seems to kind of play like lackadaisical a little bit anyway. And I think maybe that was a switch for him. Do too. Yeah. And it's like you guys at some point, you guys gotta figure it out if you really want this championship because I can personally even as a Warriors fan I could see them winning this series and then that's it because if they're not if things aren't clicking for them like defensively holistically as a whole team stop making dumb turnovers like you, you're not going to make it against these other teams who are more experienced and who are definitely talented as well who can shoot the three all of that so yeah, such as my Lakers which we'll talk about no. well who can't well we can't shoot threes though so, so. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Obviously, everybody's going to focus on the the timeout that Steph called, yeah. which, I mean, yes, it's bad. Obviously, it's bad. I I know Steve Kerr took credit or took the blame for it after the game. You know, what as the coach, like he said, he he knew they had no timeouts, so he said that's his job to make sure everybody else knows on the oh, team. Okay. Yeah. So you know, whatever. I think what was almost just as bad is like okay, you mentioned you know they make the the technical free throw. Then Fox makes the three in the corner. So it's like, oh, okay, now we're down. We're only up one with, what, 27 seconds left? So there was, you know, three-second difference. And for whatever reason, Curry takes a shot with, like, 10 seconds to go. Mm. Now, if it goes in, great. But now the Kings have 10 seconds. Versus if they just held the ball, the Kings would have three seconds left. I think that's almost worse than the the timeout. Because, like, yes, you should know, but, like, those things happen. Not in that intensive game but i don't know the kings went from being the 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 inexperienced team to the warriors being the inexperienced team this is after him like realizing he made this horrible mistake right curry and then he gets the ball um for me it was before that that looney had the ball and looney tried to score and i'm like why does looney have the ball Give the ball to your number one scorer on the team. Well, wait a minute. I was Wasn't it really just before frustrated. the game you were saying, like, Looney needs to look to score more. And <laughs> now Looney does. looks to score, no, and you're like, no, 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 don't score. Not in a moment like this. Not in. A, I'm talking about earlier in the game. I'm talking about first quarter. You're wide. They're leaving you. Defense is playing off of you. Take that jump shot. You're in the NBA. You should be able to take that jump shot. Not in mm-hmm. a fourth quarter. Not in a fourth quarter, four or five minutes left, or however many minutes left, close game. Give the ball to Stephen Curry. Like, that's where I was frustrated. I was like, why is Louis? And then he misses the dunk. And so then, you know, Sacramento has ball. But, yeah, I, I will, from, I guess to your point of Curry going to do that, like, immediately taking, like, a – and it wasn't, like, one of his best shots either. I mean, yeah, he can hit the floater, but he kind of just, like, like tossed it up there a little bit. Um, this That was after, like, he, like, messed up everything, right, with the t- timeout. Mm-hmm. I can imagine as a player, you're kind of like frantic. Like I think at the end of the day, these guys are human. But True. that's what I that's what I attributed to because I know I know the Warriors are smarter than that. Yeah, and I don't know if it, he he might have been expecting a foul too. I don't. I think it was Fox sure. guarding him. May have been Mitchell, but he gets around him because he starts going early again. 
and he gets around him, sort of stumbles. And I don't know if he was expecting them, you know, to foul and to get mm-hmm. two free throws. But mm-hmm. then he finds himself wide open. And again, like you said, you know, you just made a mistake. You have a, you know, open floater that he probably makes seven out of ten times. He's thinking like, okay, like let me get it back. Mm-hmm. But you don't. Yeah. And if it wasn't and for I think, a, and watching it, yeah, it was like immediately after he shot it, he tried to get the rebound, right? Like yeah. he's not the tallest. Because he, he knew he, he knew he messed yeah, up. He knew he did. And it's like and he was saved. He was saved. I, if I was him, I would go up and I would thank that player who shot the ball. <laughs> like, thank you. Well, I think it's funny because that's Harrison Barnes, of course, who uh, was the Warriors' small forward when they won their first championship. Oh. And then gets replaced by Kevin Durant, which, you know, if there's anybody to replace you, Kevin Durant's going to be, you know, a great option. But, it, you know, it can't feel great to say, okay, thanks for the championship, but... You know, Kevin Durant's coming. We don't need you anymore. So mm-hmm. that would have been perfect for him sucks, to yeah. knock out the Warriors, essentially, with yeah. that shot. But so I feel bad for him. But yeah, I guess. No, I, I think that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I was thankful. I mean, and I, who's to say if this game was at their home, I don't know if it would have turned in the Warriors' favor. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just like, wow. Yeah, you're still processing. Like, it's just crazy me i'm like okay so what's going on like i I really want to know as far as like like i would love to be like okay do you guys want a championship because you guys don't look like you're playing <laughs> you know um for me it's like yeah like i think this the the kings and the warriors have a similar playing style they want to push the ball they they can both shoot the three they both have solid bigs i think is it the bonus am i saying his name right mm-hmm has um you know definitely stronger posts than we have on the Warriors but the biggest thing that the Warriors could take especially being a championship team is that you guys have more experience so take care of the basketball I think I was expecting more of those turnovers to come from the Kings and um there were some points where they where they did that but those same turnovers I saw with the Warriors so I'm just kind of confused and they do have more of a very like flowy type of offense um certain passes like they'll grab a rebound and Draymond will just like like kind of um bounce past behind his back to like Stephen Curry and I'm like did you even know he was mm-hmm. there like and it's yeah. like okay I think there has to be some more um what's the word it has to be a little it has to be polished if they really want a championship or are they just trying to determine like if they can get past the series um yeah. that's my question yeah. for the Warriors and I think I mean in years past like the Warriors have always been like a high turnover team because like you said mm-hmm. they they play more flowy, like turnovers mm-hmm. are going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I guess ignoring the years that they had Kevin Durant, because when they had Kevin Durant, it didn't yeah. matter. They were going to win. Solid, yeah. The other two championships they have, like those teams were a lot better than they are this year. So, you know, it's easy to say like, oh, you know, they're always going to have high turnovers. Okay, yes. But now when they actually aren't as good as they were, like something has to change and they have to have yeah. less turnovers. So mm-hmm. like that's going to have to change. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think the the three that you were talking about with Green, kind of right behind the back, just Curry mm-hmm. running around. I think that was what with like a minute left. Warriors were up five, six. I yeah. forgot what it was, mm-hmm. but that was going to be. And I think even Mark Jones, the announcer, said it. He's like, "Oh, yeah, here comes the dagger three. The dagger, and then it didn't. Right. Yeah, it didn't mm-hmm. go in. But imagine so if it went in, then you know probably Warriors cruise the next minute. We're just sitting peacefully, and we're having a whole different conversation right now. But alas, it yeah. didn't. 
So. No, it didn't. And I think like, it's like, okay, well, maybe I'm hoping that this is reality check for them. Like y'all got to get your heads in the game. Like, I think, I think it was really good for me to see Draymond. Cause I think there was a different mentality he had coming off of the bench and like he came in and he was scoring. We were talking. You think he earlier. played well? I think he played well. Yeah. Okay. You don't think he played well? He he had some really big defensive plays, which were mm-hmm. really big, like the mm-hmm. one strip on Sabonis, I think, late. Yep, yep. I but that. and this is a conversation I want to have in a second when we talk bigger picture on the Warriors. But he made the one three, which was cool, good for him. But other than that, you can see besides his his ability to play point guard and just have so much chemistry with specifically sure. Curry and Clay and like yeah. doing those dribble handoffs and stuff. He's such a liability outside of that on offense. Yeah. And like I feel like there were lots of times where we felt it. Yeah. Like, I was, I yeah. yeah. In the fourth quarter, Curry, you know, is kind of having his moment, makes a good pass screen and misses the layup. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, mm-hmm. we we need those finishes at least. Yeah. If you're not gonna yeah. make shots, you you yeah. have to make some of those. He yeah. was he took 14 shots, I think, made three of them. So yeah, and I you know, think I've this never... is something he's stepping into, right? Like he's stepping more into that role, especially with the Kings. Like there can't, there has to be five scorers out there, like five people out there who can do something yes, with the basketball. But if you, but if you can't, because you were saying with Dylan Brooks, which we'll talk about soon, mm-hmm. if you can't, you shouldn't. Not but to he's say attempting, like, he right? has to take like, some. He's being a but threat. at some point, right? Like, he's, but he's the, doing the Warriors something. are. They can get better shots if. If it's not him shooting the ball, let's say that. Because the Kings will be like, okay, Draymond, go ahead. You're going to beat us with threes and layups. We'll take it. I mean, he had a wide open three. No one was there. That's kind of like a practice shot. Like, I would hope anyone would make that shot. He's, a He's nice, not making like, that. Well, he, he made it, right? This is his second yeah, time but then in he missed like his... two times in a, yeah. um, you know, in two games. Um, but I agree. I think he should be finishing those layups 100% off of a pick and roll. Like, Finish the layups, see the hoop, make your shot, and move forward. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and I think Curry said it in his interview. He was like, you know, he knows he has to do better, and we all have to do better at that end. Um, but I do think that, like, this team specifically is, like, really, like, pressuring that. Like, he has to, that has to come. Does that make sense from him? Yeah. Like, I think, like we were talking about before, like people have to, like everybody has to be able to score. And you were saying before, if if he's not even looking at the hoop to do anything with it, like to shoot the ball, then the Kings are going to fall back. Then you have more people, you know, like in the paint trying to stop somebody else from scoring because Draymond's not a threat. So I think at some point, somebody, ha- he has to try, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he at least needs to go downhill, which is what we were talking about in the two games they lost. The Warriors, you know, on the road, they seem to just like go horizontal sideways, like looking for threes. And yes, the Warriors are known for threes, but like Warriors basketball, at least if we know it, is mm-hmm. yes, Clay and Curry are running around shooting threes. Yeah. But then like off of that, then Draymond and Wiggins are like attacking the basket and they get wide open dunks. So yeah. like, they need more of that to, to no. be like the Warriors. I would say Poole was doing that too. Poole would attack. Devin Chinzo. I know you don't like Cole, um, like but him, no. they were attacking. I think they, I think they do that well. Um, I saw a little bit from Clay this game too, not a whole bunch, but a little bit. I mean, he's. I think kind of what you were saying, and you've said, you've told me before, like 
he might not be prime clay, but he's he's always going to make threes. He's always just going to be there. And mm-hmm. there were a few times where, yes, like he's maybe not as involved, but I mean, he ended up with, I think, 20, 25 points. Because like when Clay or when when Curry and Poole, which we can get into, are doing whatever, and then something happens, they pass a cross court to the, you know, the wide open shooter. And you're like, oh, that's Clay. Like, yeah. oh, okay. That's um, cool, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's big for them. No, yeah, uh, I think so couple random things before um i want to get into some like more future stuff with the warriors i liked i liked what steve kerr i don't know if you heard his fourth quarter like fourth fourth quarter interview uh they had with him uh i think malik andrews was doing the the sideline reporting she asked him it's like well you know it's hard without curry like those you know non-curry minutes are huge like you know what's your strategy going into the fourth and he says something along the lines of well he's going to play the whole fourth quarter Mm-hmm. And he did play whole fourth quarter, and that was probably the difference. So, mm-hmm. like I know, Kuminga only got three minutes. Moody got you know four or five minutes. Mm-hmm. I think Divincenzo had like fifteen. Other than that, it was just the the six, like yeah. the five that started in Draymond. So, yeah, it's playoffs. I, yeah, but you have to go two more months of this. So, you know, Curry can only do so much playing forty five minutes a game. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, because everybody knows on the you know on the other team that he's more of a threat, yeah. And he's gonna, and yeah, everybody knows that. So he's on the court, whether or not like he is scoring. I think what people love about Stephen Curry is he does so much for the offense. He creates for others, and I don't think even I think most players coming off the bench don't. They come off, they're rebounding, they're playing defense, or they're popping an open three. Yeah. Uh. One thing I know we're mainly Warriors focused, but Davion Mitchell for the the Kings, number mm-hmm. fifteen, the guy who was guarding Curry for most of the time. Oh, the short guy. Yeah, he was one of my favorite players when he was in college at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Really wanted the Lakers to draft him, and unfortunately, he was he ended up doing so well in March Madness the year that he was playing, and they ended mm-hmm. up winning it all. That like his stock just kept. Everyone's like, "Oh, he's good. Like he's good. He's good." Mm-hmm. Um, that he was drafted too high for the Lakers to get him, but. I think if Curry's going to play 45 minutes, I think he needs to play 45 minutes because he's the only shot to guard him one-on-one because he's, yeah. he's legit. Wasn't he going in? Was he going in for Aaron Fox? Aaron Fox? Um, I think he was coming in for like Monk or Kevin Herter. Oh, but okay. I think like those two need to play together. Like it's Fox and Mitchell. Yeah, I, I can see that. I'm trying to think about what is the coach's perspective about not. I think he's like not playing him. Yeah. He sees like Aaron as the offensive and then player yeah. and then him as the defense and that shifting. Yeah. Well, because like when Curry played the whole fourth quarter, I think they took Mitchell out for a stretch somewhere in the middle. And then him. Fox was guarding him. And then that was the play that Fox kind of ran under the screen. And, oh, I remember that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Curry got a three and then they put Mitchell right back in. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, all right, the, the only other kind of Warriors thing I want to talk about before we move on to other games, unless, I don't know, is there more you had to say about the Warriors? I your team? <laughs> You're still processing? I mean, I thought it was, I, re, I think I really saw what uh, Draymond did for the Warriors. Yeah. yeah, I think that was more clear to me because um, we know him to be like this guy who just is causing issues. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, 
Uh, he immediately came off of the bench, and I think I think there was a play set up for him to directly go to the hoop and score, um, or he came off of a screen or whatever. And um, I just was watching his defense against the bone. I don't think I'm saying anything right. Um, and I really appreciated like like seeing that. Like I don't know. I'm as a coach, like I I love energy. Like I like you feed off people's energy, and he brings that. And I think that is taken for granted because it's not what everybody it's not you can't see that in stats but it it does so much for like the players on the floor and people really feed off of that so yeah I do I think to me I was like oh okay like this is what he brings yeah mm -hmm. yeah it would be interesting to because this is a perfect segue to the last question I was going to ask you about the Warriors more long term mm -hmm. but it would be interesting to hear like to put Steve Kerr on a, a lie detector and see mm -hmm. how he really feels about Draymond because there's been times in the past where he's been like like upfront and honest of like and I don't know if it was just like caught on camera like in the, during the game but like how he's tired of putting up with Draymond mm. but at the same time like like you said he's I mean it's not just Curry and Clay it's been those three together that have mm -hmm. won them four championships so it's not like yeah. he's he's obviously bringing a lot but like even today what he was in for 10 minutes before he's like screaming at Fox and getting a yeah. Technical oh, foul. Yeah. I was yeah. like, okay. At that yeah. point, I was like, I, I'm sort of getting tired as a, you know, not that big a Warriors fan, but, you know, semi Warrior supporter. It's like, I'm kind of tired of him, but I also yeah. understand what he brings. No, 100%. And I think as a coach, I would agree with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unless you got to deal with it every day. Because there's, I mean, you can bring energy and not go over at the top. Like we talk about all the time, every player has their thing. Sure. And um, that's like Draymond's. Like I sometimes I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I get frustrated with Curry when he like in transition comes on the court and pops a three. Sure, he's forty something percent from the three point line, but like I'm like, dang, you can get an easy two. Your teammate's right there who's wide open. So I think, and I actually heard Steve Kerr talk about him, and he was just like, he was like, my coaches. He's like, when I played, he's like, I'd hear all these coaches saying that's a bad shot, that's a bad shot, and then specifically for Curry. But he was like, no, actually, that's a good shot for Stephen Curry because the numbers, his numbers. But yeah. anyway, um, yeah, I think they all have their things. And I can imagine, like, like if we were, if they were badly losing, anything Draymond did is like, okay, no, you're sitting down. You know, like, I, I can't do this. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, you can't deny what he's done for them. Mm -hmm. But I guess my question is, okay, ignoring this series let's say they move on. Let's say they beat the Kings lose to the Lakers in the second round. Let's just say, oh, let's say they don't, the let's say they don't make the finals and we're, we're moving on to a, I guess, future for the Warriors. So Draymond's a free agent. And I know you're not like super locked into NBA contracts and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's thought that he wants a big contract. He thinks he deserves it. And not mm -hmm. to say he doesn't like, he obviously deserves a, a a nice new contract as well. But at the same time, he's getting older. He obviously brings a lot, which we talked about, but he's not mm -hmm. quite what he was, you know, 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. As of right now, having said all that, when I said, you know, he, <laughs> he wants a big contract, as of now, April 23rd, do you think he's on the Warriors next year? If they don't finish this, or if they let's don't say they, the they don't make it to the finals. 
I don't. Maybe we'll take a final decision on this. Where's next year? That's a good question. I mean, I think it kind of depends on what the Warriors, like, do they want to reevaluate? Or are we keeping the same type of style of play? Because Draymond fits well within that offense because he can sure. direct, he can he can learn, he can facilitate, and he's not responsible for creating or, or like, making space, you know, like, to score or anything like that. So I mm, – I mean, I think if he, if they're considering getting rid of him, they'll consider getting rid of most, I mean, other, a lot of other players too. <laughs> well, well, Clay is the other one because he's not a free agent, but he's also making a lot of money and will mm-hmm. be looking for a new contract. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's what's hard about, you know, being in front office because you can't, again, just like how we say basketball players are human, like, like these guys are human, humans too. Mm-hmm. Like they've created a connection with those three specifically, like. They none of them have played for another team. Like they grew up as warriors, like they're like a warriors family. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have to think of it like logically and say, okay, these guys are older now. Not Curry, like Curry's a warrior for life. You know, these two are older now. Are they really going to be able to perform as much? Or you know, if we get rid of them, can we get younger guys for the same amount that can potentially do better? Mm-hmm. Like that's going to be hard. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. I the do think that's, yeah, I do think that's going to be hard, especially just because like if they are going to get rid of Draymond, I think you have to change the whole system. And I think that speaks to what mm-hmm. he's done for I the don't, Warriors. I, don't I think, think so. you do because I think there's, I, as long as I you think have Curry, players, like, I think that Curry's the system, not Draymond. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Corey's, I mean, Corey, <laughs> Curry's going to score in, in, in whatever, like, right. But I think Draymond helps what the Warriors are. And so him but, leaving, like just, we're thinking about a team aspect. I'm not talking about just basketball, like a team aspect, like yeah. who's going to take, who's going to take Looney? Looney's going to fill that role. No. Who's going to fill that role? Are we talking so basketball I think you're gonna, or like off the court? I think we're talking basketball because off the court, he's not really great. Like teammate, you're fun to do in the face. Your teammates in the face. So that's one thing. <laughs> okay, true. But I'm talking about like, I'm talking about what, like, yeah, like, it's like you've created the, these three. It's always been those three, right? Like, that's created some sort of system. And they've, they've worked with one another for, I don't know, how long, right? Like, no matter how, like, they've been, like, like their their lives have been, right? You had, like, Curry's been through injuries, sustained injuries, so has, what's his name? Clay. Um, and then Draymond's Draymond all the time. <laughs> so I think that, like, it would substan- it would change. I think it would change a lot. Like you can't just put somebody and say, Hey, like do what we had Draymond do. Like if pool steps into that, that's a whole different, that's a whole different game. Well, you know how I think like if you, if you ask like some of the people in the front office in golden state, I think they would say who they hoped would at least two years ago when they drafted him was Kuminga. Now they're Mm -hmm. completely different players, but like similar size, like they play the same position. Like if they could have taught Kaminga kind of that style of play, like Looney's learned that. And I think Looney can like at times kind of offensively be that, you know, kind of post guy that yeah. Curry and Poole and Clay are running off of. Like if Kaminga mm-hmm. could turn into that, because he, you know, has the athleticism to be the, you know, the defense of Draymond, not to say he's going to be as good, but like, I think that's who they wanted to kind of take over. Oh, I'd say he so can't. Think, 
well, there, I think there's also another green too who who does the similar thing, right? What's yeah, but name? he hasn't even played the Jamichael Green. Oh, okay, I mean yeah, he kind of does a similar, it. you know, like role like thing. Yeah. Um, but no one can do it that effectively like Draymond. I don't think so. I think they can, and that's why I think they're gonna. I'm saying I'm leaning like 55%. He's leaving. And I don't know who it is, and I want to do some thinking and research of like who might be available, free agents or trades or something. But I think there's somebody that could fit the basketball aspect of it. But what I'm worried about is what you were saying about the, not the off the court stuff, like off off the court with like, yeah, him punching pool and stuff, but mm-hmm. like the on the court energy that you were talking about. Well, yeah, that's that's, he does. He does a lot of that. Um, but he's also really smart and I don't think he gets credit yeah. for that. Like, it's not about the defense. It's what type of defense and why he's doing that defense. Like, I remember watching yeah. him and Poole was playing defense, and he's like, hey, if you do this, this is going to – or no, if you if you try to score this way, that's, this is what's going to happen. And sure enough, like it did. And so I think he's really smart. So you can have somebody like Kaminga, super athletic, but it takes time for them to get to that point, and I think it has to do with the, that chemistry. You throw Poole in there, Poole's going to do whatever he wants because he's trying to be his own type of scorer, type of, you know, like great player. Um, so you really need, you really need a strong role player. And I just think, I think he, I mean, I think he does it for, I will say for Clay and Seth well. Now you take him, put him on another team. I don't know how that's going to work, right? But he does it for Clay and Steph well. Which is why I want to, like, personally, I want to see him on a different team just to see. Like, if he goes to Dallas, which is, you know, what people have rumored. Because, like, Dallas could use somebody, like... They could, yeah, somebody like him. Like, they need Mm -hmm. somebody like him. Mm -hmm. But, like, offensively, Luca and Kyrie just have the ball. Like, it's not, like, a flowy run-around type thing. Mm -hmm. So, what, Mm -hmm. is he going to just set screens? Like, he's not going to spot up in the corner. That's not him. So, like, that would be interesting to see. Yeah, and that's why I say with a player like Draymond, that system is almost created around like him because he can do it so efficiently. Just like you're saying, he's not going to go somewhere and what set. Like if he is, if they are going to do that, he's him setting the screens is the offense. Like him doing these things direct, like yeah. that is the offense. And so I think that's why, like if he does go somewhere, like they would create, I think, a system for him to do. Because I think what his gift is is, is helping his players, helping the best players in the court for. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Either way, I, they have to. Uh, I think you just want to see Draymond series. go. I think you kind of want to get rid of the dynasty. That's what I think. No, I, I think Curry's the dynasty. And I think. Well, they didn't do anything when it was just him and everybody else was hurt. Play was hurt. Yeah, well, they didn't do anything when it was just Draymond. We know that Draymond's not like the star player yeah. here, but he, right. he but helps I think the system. Like, like game three, Draymond was out. Not, I mean, it was one game, not to say anything. And I, I don't want to seem like I hate on Draymond. I agree. He's very important. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying he might be getting older. Like, could they maybe not even could improve that spot? But that... Yeah. Who's like, I obviously not as good they... defensively, but I think if they did, I think if they did, they'd have a different system. Unless you could mold somebody in that system. Well, why would you want to do that? Why not just like 
because that would be kind of forcing it and not, and not really working and it could but not really work. If, like if they could learn it. So like this is an extreme example that obviously wouldn't happen. But let's say somebody like Anthony Davis was available. Another big guy, good defender. Mm-hmm. Obviously not to the level of him because of course he's better than Draymond. But like somebody like that where like, okay, he's probably not used to that type of offense. But if you could have him learn that type of offense, okay, now you suddenly have somebody that, yes, is not as smart as Draymond, but gives mm-hmm. you so many other things too. But then you also have Anthony Davis, who is a scorer. That's his. That's what he can do. So having four people out there, like, at, at the end of the day, like, you have to have people on a team, somebody, like, on the team that is not that person, like, that. that's not willing to take every single shot that they get that is willing to give it up and I think that's what he does well and sure you can find somebody to like another person who's like yeah I'll set these screens yeah I'll do that like Looney right he'll do it but like it's not really effective like we were talking about earlier like the behind the back like Draymond gets a rebound behind the back pass to Curry like he knows Curry's there like as much as that scares the crap out of me because a turnover is gonna happen like there's just things that he helps do because he knows his team. I don't know how to like. Yeah. Yeah. I think having team. another, yeah, you can have like some, you can teach like Kaminga. Kaminga is going to foul every single person. Yeah, I'm not advocating for Kaminga to take his role. <laughs> like, but yeah. Yeah. He's going to smile about it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, that, that's a good conversation, I guess, for the off season once we get there. But, they still have to worry about the Kings. It's still two to two. Um, yeah. Game seven. Uh, so then we're going to game seven then, right? Or uh, we're going to game five. Are you saying? Well, I mean, what do you think? Like the series? Oh. Yeah, I think it'll be it'll go to a game seven. Seven. And it might be just every home team wins, and that's what the Warriors get for not doing as well in the regular season. But yeah, yeah, I think the Kings win game five. Warriors championship team win game six. And then who knows in game seven, because like you said, it's not like the Warriors have been blown out on the road. Like they've been in the games. So game seven, who knows? I'm still waiting for, I want to talk about other teams, but there's so much to talk about by the Warriors. (laughs) Um, I'm still waiting for the Curry, like a Curry game. I knew you were going to say that. We got a little bit of it game three, like a stretch. You're like, okay, here it is. There was like a stretch here in game four. Mm-hmm. But I'm waiting for the like eight three, just like there's nothing. I think in sports there's nothing like Curry at home, right? Yeah, just the energy, the vibe. So I'm waiting for one of those games. I I agree. I feel though as though he's like he's his game is transitioning. Maybe. Like I, I think that's, we haven't. That's how I feel. We haven't talked about the Kings at all, which is sad. Is that I, I think they deserve a lot of credit. For what? I think, I think they deserve to be talked about. Maybe not at the second, because we've talked so much about the Warriors, but I think let's save it for, let's see how the series ends up. Because I think if the Warriors lose, all the talk is going to be how the Warriors lost. Right, know, whether it's Draymond, gonna, yeah. whether it's Curry getting older, Clay yeah. getting older. Yeah. Like the Kings are really good, and they are exactly like the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Not exactly, but like Fox and Curry. Mm-hmm. You have Sabonis and Draymond Green, sort of similar things. Mm-hmm. You know they have they have Monk. Warriors have Pool. This 
off the bench, who knows what you're going to get player. Yeah, Keegan Murray played well today. Kind of mm-hmm. like the Harrison, you know, Harrison Barnes, you know, add those two together for Andrew Wiggins. Mm-hmm. So credit to them. I, again, I, I want to talk about other games, but I don't want to dismiss the Kings. No, there's so much to talk about for the Warriors. Um, quickly, let's talk war, uh, Lakers Grizzlies, which we watched last night. Not not as stressful as the Warriors game. Certainly not okay. as stressful. Oh yes, I remember now. Yes. But but anytime you are up thirty five to nine, I believe it was in the first quarter, mm-hmm. and you have to worry about the game at the end. I, as a Lakers fan, I'm used to it. That's the experience. I, I told you. You asked me, is like, is is the game over? And I said, oh no, just wait. Third quarter, there will be a three. <laughs> They'll be like, oh my goodness, it's cut to ten. And sure enough, it was cut to ten. So it, I don't think it was ever in doubt, doubt, because it was such a big lead. But when John Morant scores 22 in a row, you know, mm-hmm. it's not nothing. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm maybe semi-confident in the Lakers for the rest of the series, but I'm not, I'm not assuming they're going to win the series. I think oh, it's still going to okay. be tough. I think... I think they should have a good chance of beating the Grizzlies. I think I think they can. You know, they really need LeBron and Anthony Davis, especially Anthony Davis, to really like be aggressive in scoring. And I know that's what everyone says. Um, but I think everybody else does their role. I think everyone else. I think if LeBron could give up more of the isolation shots, he would see more opportunities for the players, other players to score who can actually finish. Um, LeBron, obviously, he can finish. He's LeBron, but I do think there's times where he gets the ball and does it often, pulls up a shot, and it's like, okay, like, let's just work it around a little bit, you know? Like, that's okay to, like, transition your game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we. I know you're a LeBron hater, but I agree. I'm not a LeBron hater. That's what I'm not. Yeah. He's not better than Michael. That's all I'm just saying. That's okay, all I'm saying. that's fair. Uh, but I agree that, and we were talking about this this morning after watching mm-hmm. the game. For four years, Lakers fans have been waiting for, like, Anthony Davis is in his prime, like he should be the number one guy, mm-hmm. but LeBron's LeBron. But I think <laughs> now is the time, like, it, this is when the switch has to happen. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, LeBron has to know, like, okay, we need a bucket. Like we're gonna go to him first, mm-hmm. and then then me, because, mm-hmm. I, I mean his foot is probably that's probably a big factor. Him being thirty eight, that's also probably a big factor. So it's yeah. nothing against him, but I, so many times we've seen, he's like, you know, top of the key in the post, whatever. He's like, I got this, guys. I swear, <laughs> every time he's missed. So, you know, not to say he's bad, but you know, some of that we could probably live without. And I mean, I think there's also like defensively, like I don't know if they are consistent enough. No. And you got like someone as explosive as John Morant, like he's going to get to the basket. So what are you guys going to do about it? You know, like, and pretty much last game was all him who had what, 40 something points? Mm-hmm. Um, with a messed up hand, like, it was just pretty much him. And so I could see in the beginning of the game, I'm like, okay, like you guys are ready. Like Lakers are ready. Like 
Russell came out point guard or whatever, and he was doing well. I saw definitely more energy from him than I did last game. And then it kind of just like, like you were saying, like he just went flat and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. like this is, we can't do this. <laughs> um, yeah. Something about the Lakers and Warriors, maybe it's their name that they're just so used to being great, but it's like, you guys aren't being consistent. And I think there's yeah. going to be a team that's going to like kick you guys in the butt and you guys are going to be like, okay, well, that's just it. And I wonder if that's just, you know, being around for so long. I mean, as much as you can tell yourself, like, like, okay, I won one championship, but like, I'm pushing for the next one. You know, there's obviously some, and I don't think LeBron's, you know, ever been the best at like motivating teammates. Hmm. He's always good on the court of like getting teammates involved and like getting open shots for them, but he's not exactly the best motivator, hmm. you know, especially what does like, that look like? maybe like compared to. And I, you know, obviously I have more experience watching Lakers games, you know, and when he's been a Laker, but especially some of the younger guys, like when he first came, you know, he's LeBron. He's not going to mess around with you learning, you know, in a small regular season game. Like he's obviously not going to just ignore mm-hmm. them. But when it comes down to it, he's not around for like hyping everybody up, pumping everybody up like he means business he expects Mm. everyone else to do their job Mm. and so i think for some of the younger guys that didn't work out which is why the lakers weren't good that year and he kind of like shut them out he was upset Mm. um in comparison to someone like steph who's like just kind of always just gone with the flow whereas lebron's like even this year he's like you know he, he made it pretty clear they wanted Kyrie. he made it pretty clear he did not want westbrook and so then they had to trade westbrook Versus Steph's like, like okay, yeah, we have Kaminga and Moody. Like that's cool. Like you can trade him. You know, like he yeah. didn't talk about it at all. I think that speaks so, to what yeah. we talk. Like that's what we see on the court, right? Like is like, yeah. I want this fifth ring. Like is what you see. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, and I think it's hard because I do hear him talk about. He's like people talk about like um, Austin Reeves, and they're like, you know, like what you thinking? He's like, I knew he was gonna be great. Like. I knew he was going to be good, right? Like, well, I, it's, it's like he has this confidence in in, in his teammates, but and um, you can tell like it's some at some point he's kind of out there, like dude, number one scorer ever. So it's like, yeah. I don't know, like yeah, you do have to build, you do have to build that chemistry in the court, and I think that's definitely what's missing in the Lakers. I think Austin, not mm-hmm. sorry, what's his name? AD and um and LeBron James obviously have that like friendship. You can, you know, kind of just tell, but I think it is missing, especially with the most recent trade where they got, you know, the new players and such. So Yeah, I think like the Warriors, like they have the chemistry. They're probably too especially now when they're maybe not as good. They're maybe too yeah. a little lackadaisical to be consistent. Yeah. I think the Lakers don't have like I think a team plays off their stars. LeBron at this point of his career is not going to be, you know, the like every possession, like I'm locked in on defense, bringing the energy, all of that. AD is definitely not that just type of person or player. Mm-hmm. Like he's not mm-hmm. like just going to be the leader and, and bring the energy every day and all that sort of stuff. So I think for that reason, that's why I'm still somewhat hesitant because I think the game 
I think they play tomorrow, game four. It'd mm. be huge. Because if they win at home, like, okay, we're up 3-1, should be good to go. But that's probably what the Lakers are saying. So they'll probably <laughs> lose. Like, I'm expecting them to lose tomorrow. So then it's 2-2. Two to two, You uh, just don't want to go to bed disappointed. Yeah, expect disappointment, and you'll never <laughs> be disappointed. So I don't know. I, no, Lakers I, Warriors would be a fun matchup, but I don't know if we're going to get there. Yeah, I think it would. I think it really would be fun. And um, I do think I think Austin Reeves could be that person that brings that energy because yeah. of his playing style. Um, but it's just chemistry. It, it, it's just like we know when he gets the ball, he's going straight to the like he's going to go try to go straight to the basket unless he's wide open for a three and draw. And he's really great at drawing fouls. But I think it's like. I know what each player is going to do. And in comparison to the, like the Warriors, when I watch them, I'm like, I don't know who's going to shoot the ball. Cause I know that everybody is comfortable and confident enough to do it. But it's like, when I can watch the Lakers, I'm like, okay, like I know what LeBron's going to do. I know what AD is going to do, but how are they doing it together? Yeah. Yeah. And, and even more so than the Warriors, like Lakers need somebody to step up mm-hmm. on a day to day. Like mm-hmm. Hachimura, who I've said, I've never seen him shoot this well ever. Mm-hmm. Like he's stepping up, which I think is why they're up two to one. But yeah, when you don't know what you're going to get from half your team, kind of hard. But yeah. at the same time, and I don't think this is my bias. I think the Lakers are talent wise, one of the most talented teams in the West. Okay. So like when you look at that, you're like, yes, they could make the finals. Because mm-hmm. like if LeBron and AD are going, like if AD's dominating, LeBron can kind of be, you know, the second guy. And you have Reeves, maybe Russell's on, maybe Schroeder, like one of those are on. Mm-hmm. Hachimura's playing well. Like, you're good. Like, beat the Grizzlies. You know, Warriors or Kings, like, it'd be a good matchup. Even somebody like the Nuggets and Suns. Like, sure, the Nuggets have Jokic, you know, Jokic mm-hmm. AD, that's a good matchup. Suns are great with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Like, that'd be a good duo matchup between LeBron and AD and those two. But like talent wise, they're matched up. It's just can they focus? Which the answer has been no most of the season. Yeah, I mean, like say, I said, but... it takes all of them to play together, and yeah, you need somebody who's going to facilitate that. So, my question to you is: Do you think Russell was Russell Westbrook was holding them back? Now that you see the consistency of like where they like how they are as a team, do you think he was holding them back, or yeah, yeah. Well, I think a combination of Westbrook and the guy <laughs> that got back. That was a quick answer. I mean, it was an easy answer, yes. I, I've always loved Westbrook, and I'm trying to learn to love him again now that he's on the Clippers, although it's mm-hmm. sort of hard. Like, you know, he could have played defense when he played for the Lakers. But, but what? I, it goes back to, like, everybody's human. Like, yes, now Westbrook's bringing back the energy he's bringing this intense defense for the clippers yes he could have been done it been doing that for the lakers but it's hard when you know you kind of know your whole team doesn't want you so like like of course you're not going to bring the energy so i think i blame the front office blame lebron blame whoever you want like it was just a bad situation so i think partly just getting rid of him was good but then the players they got back like like Russell's been fine, D'Angelo Russell, not Westbrook. Um, I think he, yeah, we could use a big game from him. Um, but then more importantly, Vanderbilt, um, our best defender, like he's been mm-hmm. good, just like role players, which the Lakers didn't have. 
because you turn Westbrook, who was, you know, hit or miss for the Lakers each night, into Russell, into Vanderbilt, into Beasley, who hasn't played much, but, you know, plays a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think if that trade didn't happen, they wouldn't be here. So, but credit to Westbrook, he's playing well. Is he now? Hmm. He is. I wonder why he's playing well. Because he's the number one option now and can just kind of go off. His team's still he losing, is? so, you know. He is the number one option? Yeah, I mean, Kawhi's hurt, so they're like, hey, Westbrook, like, this is what Westbrook's good at. And not to take away, he's doing amazing. I don't want to say he's not. But this is what he's good at. Just being the number one option. Number one option. And like, hey, here's the ball. Do whatever you want. Like, it's your team. You know, good shooters around him. Other, you know, mm-hmm. Obviously, other good players around him. He's going to put up stats. He's going to play well. But is he ever going to be the like the number one option on a like an actual good team? Probably not. Which is fair. Like most players aren't. So, um, anything else? Any other Warriors, Lakers? Any other series? I I would love to see them in a series. Play against each other. Yeah. 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 So I feel like. Everybody wants that. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody either wants it or hates it because, you know, the two big teams. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's tired of the Warriors Lakers. But it is what it is. I mean, yeah, because can, can they play, like, consistently good? That's always the question. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got two more games tonight, so we better get off and watch those. And we got, what, another two months of this. So if your Warriors make it this far, Hopefully your heart can take it that long. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we might we may have a few episodes like this of you just like breathing a sigh of relief coming on and talking yeah. warriors. Oh gosh. We'll see. But thanks for coming on and mm-hmm. uh yeah, excited to see the rest of the playoffs. Me too. All right, I'm taping this part of the podcast. Uh it's Sunday morning here on the West Coast. Uh Nick's and Cavaliers are currently playing right now. Knicks, they look good again. They're going up potentially 3-1. I know it's it's halftime right now, so see if they can finish it out uh, in the second half. But it, it got me thinking, as I've you know watched the first week or so of, of the these NBA playoffs, who really has the most pressure on them? Because I think this year out of most other years, there's not one clear team or not two clear teams that are the favorites to win it all. You know, it seems like forever ago, but just a few years ago, it was pretty much always going to be Warriors Cavaliers. And even going back longer than that, the Warriors, they've been on this run since 2015 that they were always the team to beat and most likely the team that was going to represent the Western Conference. But now Yes, we have, you know, the Bucks and the Celtics in the East. Maybe the Nuggets in the West. I don't know if you can call them a big a big favorite, but there's really not one or two teams that we're expecting the, the most out of this year. So it got me thinking, and I just kind of put a quick list together, which players in particular have the most pressure on them this postseason? And how I'm defining pressure, not necessarily pressure to to win the NBA Finals, because, you know, for a team like, the Minnesota Timberwolves, 
or a team like the Atlanta Hawks, even the Miami Heat, you know, they're not, they're not expected to win at all. And so it's not necessarily going to be a disappointment if they don't win at all. In comparison to, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Celtics, the Nuggets, those that I mentioned before, that it's really those teams that I don't want to say are championship or bust, but they're the favorites, so we expect them to do better. So pressure, it's going to mean different things, but I just put a quick list together of which players I think are under the most pressure. Uh, I have 10 names, so I'll go backwards from 10. I, they're sort of in tiers. You know, I, you could argue certain players over others, but this is just my, my quick thoughts on who's under the most pressure. Starting with my number 10, and that's I'm cheating a little bit, but the, the Denver Nuggets sidekicks in Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. I don't think compared to, you know, most of the other names I have on this list, they're under tons of pressure. Obviously, depending on how the Nuggets do, you know, the either the credit or the blame is going to go to their number one guy in Nikola Jokic, who, spoiler alert, is going to be up higher on this list. But let's say, for example, the Nuggets will probably finish out the Timberwolves, possibly even tonight. But let's say they, they flame out in the second round against either the, the Suns or the Clippers. Yes, Jokic is going to get his, his blame. But then that's immediately going to go to Jamal Murray and Michael Porter and saying, okay, well, if you're actually a legitimate number two or number three player on a championship team, you have to perform like one. And if they get knocked out, eyes are going to go right toward them. So that's sort of what I mean by pressure is, of course, all these players are, are facing pressure. Of course, all the stars are facing pressure. But pressure in the sense of if you could see how far the Nuggets might go versus how low they might go, I think there's a lot of pressure on Denver in particular, and I think that's why Murray and Porter are are valid to put at least lower on this list than number 10. Uh, next, 8th and ninth, I kind of have in a similar tier. I don't exactly know what to call them, but I'll, I'll say stars that don't really have the weight of the world on their shoulders, but still have some pressure because of just how good they are. Nine, I have Giannis, and eight, I have Anthony Davis. I think for Giannis's case, you know, he, he's won one. The Bucks have won one a couple years ago. But if Giannis is going to be as good as everyone thinks he will be when his career is over, if we're even thinking about putting him in, you know, the list of LeBron, Curry, Kevin Durant, like, this era's superstars, he needs to win more than one championship. I'm not saying it has to be this year. But if they have another lackluster playoffs, let's say, whether they're deserved or not, I think conversations might start of, okay, the Bucks won one, but was it lucky? I don't want to say that's the case, but I think that conversation will start. So I think there's a little pressure on Giannis now. Of course, he's hurt right now, but assuming he comes back and assuming they can get past the Miami Heat, this isn't championship or bust, but I do think there's going to be some pressure on Giannis. If you're the best player in the league, which a lot of people think he is, at some point you have to perform like that. 
and your team has to perform like that. So I think some pressure on Giannis, but of course, I don't necessarily think it has to be this year. And then eight, Anthony Davis. I think you could put him higher up if there was more of a thought that the Lakers might actually make a run. Now, I'm a Lakers fan. I hope they make a run. And I know a lot of media has been saying that they're going to make a run. I don't necessarily see that, and I'm not necessarily expecting that. I think if there was, Anthony Davis would be a lot higher on this list. But just because they made it this far, I don't want to say that's a win, but if the Lakers can finish out the Grizzlies you know, this coming week and make it to the second round, if you look back you know, two months ago, I think that's a big win. So I don't, I don't think there's a ton of pressure on this Lakers team besides the fact that they're the Lakers and they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So that's why you know, AD might not be as high on this list, but there is still pressure. And I think specifically on him to perform like a lot of people think he's capable of in, in actually being a number one option. You know, we're going to talk you know, more about the, the Lakers and LeBron you know, at the top of this podcast later today. So I don't want to totally repeat what, what we might talk about there, but I think it's clear for, for somebody who, who watches an, a good number of Lakers games, this, this is the time where Anthony Davis has to be the number one option. That's not to say LeBron is washed. It's not to say LeBron isn't good anymore. But just he's 38. He has a, a, a foot problem that would take out probably most of the league. So I think there is pressure on AD to not only lead this Lakers team potentially you know, into the second round or farther, but there's individual pressure on him to actually step up and step up consistently because we know he can step up, but can he do it on a day-to-day basis? That's what's going to be the big factor for him uh, in this playoffs. Uh, moving down to the next tier, uh, seven and six, I have Carl Anthony Towns and Trey Young. I think they're pretty similar in the fact that, you know, I'm calling this tier, let's say, stars that aren't expected to go far in the playoffs, but have a lot of individual pressure. I think Towns, maybe slightly less than Trey Young, because I think it's becoming more clear that, you know, this Minnesota team, this is going to be centered around Anthony Edwards for the coming future. Now, will Towns be a part of that future? I don't know. They may decide to keep him and, and see if things can work out, or they may try to trade him. So I think this pressure for him specifically is way more individualized than team. You know, the, the Nuggets are already up 3-0 on, on Minnesota, so this may be retroactive because, again, we might see Minnesota get knocked out later tonight. But I think Towns needed to show... And he's shown uh, at least a little bit, I'll give him credit so far this series, that he can show up and be maybe not a number one guy in a playoff series, but at least a number two and not just get totally knocked out or totally just in his own head uh, and turn kind of immature, which we saw last year. So I think, again, a lot of individual pressure for him, but then also for Trey Young, who I had at number six, now, the Hawks won a game, but I'm expecting the Celtics to, to win the series pretty easily. So I'm not 
saying there's pressure on him to, you know, to lead the Hawks to a victory over the Celtics. But there's a lot of pressure on him to perform well individually. Mainly because he's the main guy. Yes, there's DeJounte Murray. Yes, there's others on Atlanta who are capable. But if he wants to show that he's still a number one guy on a competitive playoff team, he has to show out. And honestly, the first three games, I haven't seen that. Yes, he did well in game three, relatively speaking. You know, the Hawks came out on top. But I think it's telling that a lot of the times the Hawks do well is when he's on the bench and it's DeJounte Murray leading. Maybe it's just me, but I prefer my star to be on the court when we're doing well. So that's something that I'll be watching, you know, in that series particular. Because, like I said, I think the Celtics will will move on relatively easily. But I think it'll be really important for Trey Young to show that he's still a superstar in this league because I think a lot of people are starting to wane on that fact that, yes, he might be flashy, yet, yes, he might have his moments, but he's really not as good as he thinks he is or as some fans think he is. So I think pressure on, on Young and uh, Towns just individually. Which brings me to uh, my second to last tier. Uh, I'm calling this the Phoenix Suns tier. Uh, and I have Chris Paul at five and Kevin Durant at four. Now, you could say, yes, there's pressure on Devin Booker, but I think he's still, he's still young. He's still in his prime. And I think he's probably the best bet to do well in the playoffs. So I think more pressure on the veterans uh, in Chris Paul and Kevin Durant. Chris Paul, I have slightly lower than KD just because, you know, this isn't the Chris Paul of two years ago, let alone five or six years ago. He's definitely lost a step. He's definitely not, you know, a number two option on a playoff team anymore. Can he be even a third or fourth option? I think that's going to be big. So that's why I think Chris Paul's pressure is more just on leading the team as best as he can to a long playoff run. So many people have talked about, you know, the the ups and downs in Chris Paul's career and his, uh, let's say, lack of of playoff success. We'll we'll put it that way. So if if this is another time where the Suns are probably the favorite in the West, you know, whether they should be or not, they I think they are at least in in the fans' perspective. If this is another situation where Chris Paul has a great team and can't perform in the playoffs. I think it's a it's a big big factor when you look at Chris Paul's career. Now, I said he's not the same, so it's not necessarily individual pressure and it's probably not even fair to him. But when he's had a whole career built on lack of playoff success, there's definitely pressure on him to make sure the Suns do well. It looks like you know, based on injuries for the Clippers, that the Suns will move on uh, in the first round. But then they go up against the Nuggets. And that's going to be a big series for him. And then, of course, Kevin Durant, who I have in number four. I wasn't necessarily going to have KD this high because I think he's proven just how good he is throughout his career. And it, it still seems a little off, this Suns team. 
I think Katie's struggling a little bit to fit in. You know, you don't want to totally take away from Booker. You know, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, you know, they got their thing sometimes. But this is still KD. He can't just sit around and act like he's a, a fourth option, just a shooter in the corner. At some points, he has to say, okay, I'm Kevin Durant. You know, give me the ball. I'm going to win this game. And a lot of that's just chemistry that will be built. And it doesn't necessarily have to be built this year. You know, this wasn't a one-year plan necessarily for the Suns. They have Kevin Durant for a while. So in that sense, I don't know if there was tons of pressure. But that's the problem when you're a superstar in this league. And not just a superstar, but potentially, you know, top 10, 15 player all time. This is the pressure you're going to get. Yes, he has his rings in Golden State, but there's always going to be the people that don't count those. And look at his time with the Thunder. Look at his time with Brooklyn. And now potentially look at his time in Phoenix and say, okay, you're a great player, but this is yet another year, if they don't do well, that you have a good team and don't win at all. So I don't, I don't think there's a championship or bust for the Suns. I don't think that's necessarily the case for any team this year. But I think if they don't make the finals at least, that's not going to sit well with Phoenix fans. Because they mortgaged their future, both with players in Bridges, Cam Johnson, but then also picks for Kevin Durant to join this team. So I think there's a lot of pressure on him this year and next year to really deliver something. I think if they stumble out, maybe in the second round against the Nuggets this year, I think there's a ton of pressure on them next year. So one or the other, I think KD's got to do something, which is why I have him at number four. Not, not quite as high as, as my top and final three, but I think high enough that, you know, he's a superstar. Like I said, there's going to be this pressure. And that brings me to uh, the final tier, my final three. To me, it was pretty clear. I think there's three players in this playoffs that have the most pressure riding on this postseason. You know, you could argue the order, um, but I have, I have Jokic, number three. This one might be the most surprising. Others, people might not have him on the list. But let me just, let me just paint an example for you. So Jokic, two-time MVP. Probably sounds like won't win this year. We'll probably go to Embiid, but in the running three years in a row, which is super rare. But when it comes to playoff success, hasn't really done much the last two years. Now, you can be quick to say, okay, he hasn't had the supporting cast, which is fair. You know, even last year, no Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter. It was just him and a bunch of role players. And yet he still brought him to the playoffs, which is, you know, credit to him. So I'm not saying that he's done bad in the playoffs or he needs to prove he can play in the playoffs. But let's say, you know, they, they finish off the Timberwolves. And let's say they lose to the Suns in the second round. That's not a terrible thing. The Suns are really good, which I mentioned with, with Durant and Devin Booker. But at some point, the conversation is going to start and I think it's already started in years past, that as good of a player as Jokic is in the regular season, he's not that same player 
or at least cannot affect winning in the same way in the playoffs. I'm not saying that's what I say, but we all know regular season basketball is completely different than postseason basketball. So there's going to become a point where Jokic is known as this regular season stats guy, you know, super efficient, great team player, can really affect winning in the regular season. But if he can't get it done in the playoffs, that's going to be what you're known for. And there's another person on this list coming up in the top two that is also suffering from that fact. But that's going to be the conversation if he can't deliver at some point in the near future. I said before with with Phoenix, I don't think there's a, a championship or bust team this year. But I think it's really big and really important for Jokic and for Denver as a whole to make a big run. I think for them it's clear at least conference finals or bust. So I, I would have had him kind of right near the top in terms of most pressure, but to me there's there's two players who are have the most writing on this postseason, and of course they play for the same team. I have Joel Embiid second and James Harden first. I think if you talk to people, you know, around you know, around basketball. I think Embiid has still a lot of, you know, I don't want to say like popular popularity in comparison to James Harden. But Embiid doesn't have at all the stigma that, that James Harden does about his postseason play. So I think that's, I think it's fair for Embiid to be second and James Harden first. But I think both of them together, you know, they're both missing this big playoff run. Now they're both together. They both have a, you know, a decent team around them. So this is their chance to show that they can be postseason heroes. I think Embiid, you know, riding off a most likely MVP season, that will buy him some good faith, you know, among NBA fans, which is why I have him second. But he still needs to show up in the playoffs and still needs to lead him, his team to at least the conference finals. I think it's, it's similar to Jokic in the fact that, like, okay, the, the, you know, they, they beat an undermanned Brooklyn team. They swept them. Most likely going to play Boston in the second round. You know, losing to Boston in the second round, it's not, not the worst thing. Obviously, Boston, reigning Eastern Conference champs, you know, they're a legit team and, and will probably be favored over the 76ers. But at some point, they got to show up and say, no, we're, we're the team to beat. Similar to the Nuggets and the Suns. You know, Jokic losing to the Suns, not that big a deal. But at some point when it keeps happening, that's what you're known for. And I think Embiid you know, really needs a big postseason push on top of his great you know, MVP level season to really show like, okay, I'm, I'm in contention for the, you know, the number one player right now this year. So I think him and then, of course, James Harden have the most writing on this postseason. I, I don't need to go over everything that's happened with James Harden in the postseason. Of course, everybody talks about how he sort of disappears you know, in big playoff games. So he, to me, is the easy number one choice. He's, not, he's certainly not the same level of player uh, as he once was. But... He's turned himself into, 
I think a, a more respectable basketball player and somebody that I enjoy watching now. He has Embiid. He has a star to, to play off of. And I think for him more particularly, he needs a good team playoff run, but also needs a good individual run. Embiid, you know, he had his MVP season. He just needs his team to go far in the playoffs. Harden needs both. He needs the, his team to go far, but he also needs to show up in some of these games. So I think there's more pressure riding on him individually just for his own personal, you know, legacy. I, I think, you know, even if, even if the Celtics beat the 76ers in the second round, Harden at least needs to have a good series. Because if not, we're just going to get another round of, oh, you know, James Harden, great regular season player, always chokes in the playoffs, can never lead his team. And for him, I mean, he's old enough that, yeah, that's probably true. At least Embiid and Jokic are relatively young. Harden's been around. He's done this. This is probably who he is. And if he wants people to stop saying that, he's got to show us otherwise. So I think that's why he has uh, the most pressure on him this postseason. Uh, quickly, before you know, we wrap up, I just want to throw out a couple teams that, to me, don't have the same level of pressure because I think it's you know, sort of interesting to look at. I didn't have any Kings and Warriors on this list. I think the Kings, I, I don't want to say they're just happy to be here because I, I don't necessarily like that phrase, but they're young. You know, They made it to the three seed. They have a bright future ahead of them. I don't think any particular player has a lot of pressure on them outside of the you know, normal pressure that you know, NBA players and specifically stars like Fox and Sabonis have. But I think additional pressure to perform this playoff series, I don't think they necessarily have that. And then sort of on the opposite side, yes, there's always pressure on Steph to do well, but he literally just showed last year how good he still is in leading the Warriors. Uh, to the finals. I think the Warriors, if they didn't have the title run last year, I think they'd be really high on this list because they need to show that they can win, you know, without Kevin Durant. But they already did that last year. I think the pressure's off of them. Yes, the season's been up and down. Yes, it hasn't been great, but I don't think so much pressure is riding on them this this uh, postseason, at least. You know, except for the fact that, you know, you could argue this might be the end of an era which, you know, it might be, but I'm not putting extra pressure on that, at least right now. Uh, a couple of the names I didn't have. I didn't have LeBron. I, you know, I touched on him briefly when talking about Davis, but he's 38. He's coming off a foot injury. He's proven enough this year, you know, individually at least, that he's fine. You know, I, I'm not going to get into the GOAT debate whether he's number one or not, but he's in the conversation. I, I think he probably needs another championship. I, I'm sure he definitely wants another championship. But I don't think there's so much pressure on this specific year just thinking about everything that they've gone through as a team. So I don't put that much pressure on him. And then, you know, a couple teams in the, the East. Celtics, you know, similar to the Warriors, they had their championship run last year. They're still young. I you know, I don't think there's so much pressure on them writing this year, at least individually. And then some of the 
you know, the kind of middle tier teams in the East. I think, you know, the Knicks, Jalen Brunson has been amazing. I don't think there's extra pressure on him to perform this year besides, you know, playing in Madison Square Garden. There's always going to be pressure. And then Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs. It, you know, like I said, it's, you know, it's halftime right now uh, in, in, the, in game four. So I don't, I don't know if they're going to make it out even of the first round, but I think they're still young. Mitchell was great for them this year. I don't think tons is riding on, on this postseason run, but come next year, there's going to be a lot of questions, especially if they don't make it out of this first round series of how they can, they can get better because they have the pieces, but now they need to perform. So uh, those are just a couple names I wanted to name and a couple teams that I wanted to throw out there. Like I said in the beginning, there's not a ton of clear-cut favorites this year, which I think is exciting and makes it more wide open. But there's certain players that, that have a lot riding on this postseason, which is why I wanted to do this. So you know, we'll continue to have more, more breakdowns and, and analysis of the, of the NBA postseason, but I just wanted to kind of throw out the, the players with the most pressure coming out of uh, this postseason run. That will do it for the podcast. Thanks to my girlfriend, Marlisha, for coming on. Uh, we will be back here on Wednesday. It's probably one of my most exciting weeks, uh, you know, coming up of the sports week, and that's NFL Draft Week. So breaking down a lot with that. And then, of course, continuing on uh, with the rest of the postseason in the NBA. So make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you on Wednesday. Wednesday.